plug those headphones in. It's time for Ireland's only interactive podcast, the multi-award winning Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy. And you're very welcome to this latest Opinions Matter podcast with Adrian Kennedy recorded at our studio at the White Sands Hotel in Port Marnock in North County, Dublin. Now, before we let you know what we want to talk about on this latest Opinions Matter podcast, I want to give a big shout out to one of our uh, show sponsors who are uh, currently with us and who tie in very well, actually, with the topic of uh, today's podcast. And that is uh, SAFE. SAFE is the new book by Priscilla and Amy Granger, the mother and daughter team behind Stop Domestic Violence in Ireland. Now, for the first time, the duo reveal the full extent of the abuse they suffered, their escape and journey from victims to campaigners after years of living in silence and fear. So basically, they've put uh, pen to paper to tell their uh, whole story. And if you would like to read their inspiring first-hand story for yourself, you can visit safe-thebook.ie where you can purchase your copy in either paperback or ebook formats for just $14.99 with a portion of all proceeds going towards helping others escape and survive domestic abuse. Once again, you can visit the website safe-thebook.ie and uh, you can order your copy of uh, the book Safe. And as I said, this is a perfect tie-in with what we want to talk about on the uh, Opinions Matter podcast uh, today. And I have to give you a warning that the conversation we're about to have uh, contains some graphic reference to sexual assault, abuse and rape. It is the story of a woman who was sexually assaulted by her estranged husband, recorded him on camera, telling her he had every right to touch her. The 26-year-old, who can't be named to protect the identity of his former wife, was jailed for three and a half years in the Central Criminal Court um, a couple of weeks ago. And sentencing him, Ms. Justice Karen O'Connor said this was a frightening and menacing ordeal for the victim who was attacked in her own home where she had a right to feel safe. And I am going to talk to that lady right now and two important things to point out, which we're going to be discussing in a couple of minutes. Um, I have changed this lady's name to protect her identity and we are calling her uh, Sarah. That's the first thing. And secondly, in order to further protect her identity, we have uh, disguised her voice, as you will hear in uh, in just a moment. Um all because she has a young daughter and it is important that she protects her daughter as well. So that's why uh, we are doing all of this. But we discussed this uh, in a couple of minutes about why we're doing all of this to protect her uh, identity. So as I said, I'm calling this lady uh, Sarah. Sarah, can I ask you firstly to, to take me back to the start, which isn't that long ago, of your relationship with your now ex-husband? Um, so we started dating probably late 2018 or no, actually early 2018. And we dated for, for a while, you know, and everything was very, very, very fine, really, you know, no problems. Um, and I suppose 
it's kind of started to change. I mean, we got married, you know, very quickly. It seems like it was a very quick uh, wedding. Absolutely, yes. Um, so we got married probably about a year after knowing each other. Um, and the main reason for that was because I was pregnant. And in his religion, it's, I suppose, it's unusual for to, to have a child out of marriage, which is obviously very... Uh, out, of, out of date but um, you know I wanted to respect him and, and his religion and so I went ahead with that um, and I suppose really the problem started once uh, the child was born. Explain that to me, what problem started? Um, it kind of started off with coercive control, with names, you know it started off with you know you're, you're a bad mother or if we got into an argument, he would say things like, I will take the child away from you, um, you know, or I will move with the child, you know, kind of trying to probably control me or scare me in some way or another. Um, there would, you know, one time he slapped me when my, my child was four weeks old um he he would use the child a lot against me um but but in terms of physical violence it was mostly like slapping or pushing me or you know things like that and what would bring that on very bizarre things like it could be because i changed the channel that he wanted to watch on the tv that was one instance or um, you know, maybe I, I, I remember I didn't feel well one day and I didn't want to go out where he wanted to go out. And, you know, that would kind of start the, the argument and it would spiral really quickly. So how long did this go on? And I'm very conscious that this relationship only started, as you said, back in, uh, in 29, uh, 2018. How long uh, into this did you start realizing, hang on, this just isn't normal? Four weeks after I had my child, pretty much. And what did you do about it then at that time? Well, there was a couple of things. I mean, by the time my child was three months old, I had already attended, you know, my doctor twice because of, you know, being hit or slapped. Um, I had called the guards twice, I think, at that point already by the time the child was three months Um to which the guards kind of dismissed it and they just said, you know, this is where you can get protection and, you know, kind of deal with it. You know, it's a domestic matter. Um, um, and by the time my child was one, I had actually run away to a women's refuge. But you obviously ended back with them. No. So essentially I broke things off in December of 2019, which was not even a year after we got married. But... He still lived in the house, essentially, because he didn't want him to move out. Okay, so you hadn't gotten away from him as such. Exactly. So by the time that, you know, kind of mid-2020, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I, I ran away, essentially. Now, in just a moment, I want to find out about the night that you uh, phoned the guards screaming for help, which was one of the main focuses of uh, the court case against your uh, ex-husband. So stay with me for one moment. Sure. It's Ireland's most talked about podcast. The only podcast with live callers and live debates. It's Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy. So, Sarah, tell me about the night that you phoned the guards screaming for help. 
Well, it was actually a morning, um, believe it or not. It was about 10 a.m. Um, I was alone in my house, um, and he turned up at my house. Um, you know, uh, he, he came in, and I did let him in. Um, and I think he probably realized there was no one in the house, and he started to, you know, touch me and, and kiss me. And um, I, was, I was thinking, you know, is he... Is he making a joke? I was kind of thinking, like, is he messing, you know? Um, what's going on here? Because I was saying, you know, stop. No, don't. I mean, we weren't together at that point for for months. Um, he wasn't living there anymore, you know? And um, so he kind of would stop, and I would go to another part of the house, and he would follow me and do it again, and, you know, try to put his hands in, in my under my clothes and, and kiss me and so on and eventually somehow we ended up upstairs where he just continued kind of talking with me and and um, I suppose coercing me to I think get back with him maybe from the conversation and at that point I realized I should probably start recording because he's not leaving the house and I can feel something is going to happen, um, and I, I, I just kind of had the phone in my hand, and I pressed record, and I just kept it turned away, you know, the face of the phone turned away from him, so he wasn't aware that I was recording, obviously, um, and yeah, at, at kind of at the end of the video, it's where he kind of says to me, you know, as long as we are officially married, I can do with you what I like. And that's when he pushed me into the bedroom and started to sexually assault me. And at what point did you uh, call the guardie? Because you were videoing all of this. But at what point did you call the guards? So he had taken my phone off of me. Um, but I managed to get it. And there is a button on the phone. In the newer phones, you have like an emergency button. So when I managed to grab the phone, I just had to press that button and it obviously connects you to, I guess, 911 or whoever. And I just I just started screaming, please, please, I'm getting raped. I'm getting raped. Please just come. So whoever hurt me or answered me, I don't know. But um, that, that's how it happened. And this was obviously some uh, quick thinking uh, 999 operator who heard what was going on, who uh, acted upon it. Um, the guardie then arrived at the house, is that right? Yes. And what happened then? Well, essentially, I stayed upstairs, and I, I suppose he was downstairs with the other guards. Um, they took him away, and um, I didn't see him after. And obviously, the whole day was kind of a blur. There was a lot of, I had to give statements, I had to go to a rape clinic, I had to... You know, there was just a lot of things. But to be honest, I, I, the guards that came, I can't fault them. They supported me extremely, extremely well. So your now ex-husband was subsequently uh, prosecuted for, for that attack, for that um, assault. Tell me about uh, the court case, because it is um, it, it, that is the reason mainly that you contacted us, wanting to highlight your uh, story, because of the very small sentence that uh, your ex-husband received. So take me through the case itself and, and, and what that whole experience was like. Yes, it was, it was difficult. I mean, essentially, 
I believe three, four days after the incident, um, obviously the, the other party applied for bail and I had to attend and, you know, kind of almost be cross-examined um, in that hearing, the bail hearing, and there was another hearing. And in all honesty, I was probably at the court about 10, 12 times in total. Um, you know, I don't even know where to begin, to be honest. Did you have to give evidence in, in, in court? In the bail hearing, I had to kind of explain what happened and why he shouldn't get bail which he didn't um but eventually uh, after about two years he pleaded guilty uh so i did not have to go through a trial um but i did have to give a witness impact statement now the judge who was uh ms justice karen o'connor uh, said at the time that um, there were a number of mitigating circumstances in regard to uh, the sentencing that uh, she was going to, to hand down. She said it was a frightening and menacing ordeal for the victim, that's yourself, who was attacked in her own home. Uh, but she said a headline sentence of seven and a half years, which she reduced to five years in light of the mitigating factors, the most significant of which was the fact that uh, he uh, pleaded guilty, which meant obviously that you were spared uh, having to uh, contest a trial, but also that your ex-husband uh, suffered an acquired brain injury in 2017 that could not be ignored. Can you explain that to me? Well, I didn't know him at the time, um, but from knowing him, I mean, I've never met any other person who had or say they had an, an acquired brain injury, and obviously I'm not going to go against what the experts say, but the only difference bet, you know, between him and any other kind of regular person was his sleep pattern so like i said i i don't know about his injury and if you didn't read that and and you know and you saw him you wouldn't be able to know any different were you aware that he had an acquired brain injury i was well he told me that yes but again i mean knowing him and being with him i I, I would have never been i mean kind of i kind of questioned it what exactly is wrong with him because I couldn't see anything wrong. Again, when it comes to the, the sentencing, um, the judge suspended the final 15 months on condition that he re-engaged re with the acquired brain injury Ireland. Um, but that essentially means that he will be out of prison in no time uh, at all. And this brings us to the point of, uh, of this story that I wanted to uh, discuss with you, and that is, I have not identified uh, you. I'm calling you Sarah, but that's not your name. I have not identified your ex-husband. I haven't identified your child. I haven't identified where you live, other than to say that this court case uh, took place uh, this year in, in 2022. And one of the reasons for all of that is that the court offers you, uh, as a victim in a case like this, the right to anonymity. And because of that anonymity for you, he also has anonymity. So I can't name him because uh, you have decided to maintain your anonymity. You're a little bit conflicted over that, though, are you? Correct, yes. I mean, essentially, the victim can still have anonymity and name the perpetrator. That is 
you know, it's allowed and it, it's been done many times before. And that was essentially what I wanted. I wanted him to be named. I wanted everybody to know who he is and, you know, what he did and what he's capable of. If he tries to get a job, if he tries to new country, if anyone Googles his name. But, you know, my mind was changed when, when we started to talk about my child's future and, you know, Google is a great thing, but it can also be a bad thing because in the future, you know, she, she or he could be kind of identified and then the child could be, you know, bullied or um, God knows what. And that is the only thing that changed my mind, really. Okay, so it was a, a, a desire to protect your child from being identified in relation to uh, this case and what her uh, father w- would have done. But you're obviously uh, concerned. How, how soon will he be out of prison? Mid-year this year, probably. I mean, we don't know uh, exactly, but probably about five, six months. Okay, so sooner rather than later. Correct. How are you feeling about the fact that this man will be released from prison in no time at all, having uh, been convicted of the crime that uh, he perpetrated against you, and will be able to essentially get on with his life when he's released? I mean, it's very scary, you know, um, not necessarily for myself, because I mean, he's already done bad things to me. I'm not really afraid of him in that sense, you know. Um, But I'm afraid he will use my child against me like he used to in the past. Now, of course, there are things that I can do to protect myself, like, you know, protection orders and, and so on and so forth. But essentially, there's only, you know, if someone is walking down the street, there's only so many things you can do to avoid them. You know, what's not to say that he could turn up at my house, you know, he knows where I live, um, or he could, I don't know, I could be walking with my child and he could walk up and, you know, essentially take her or, or do something to her. That, that's that's the only thing that I'm worried about, to be honest. Now, stay with me for one second, Sarah, if you can, please, because after uh, the break, I want to talk to you about uh, the future and what that future uh, looks like from your point of view, uh, for obviously your, your daughter's point of view and maybe her relationship with him in the future. So stay with me for one second. Voted Irish Current Affairs Podcast of the Year. It's Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy. So, Sarah, in the middle of next year, in 2023, your ex-husband will be uh, released from prison. You were telling us a couple of moments ago about how you actually are quite nervous about uh, what that future holds. What have you told your daughter, if anything, about what has happened? Nothing. She doesn't really know him, to be honest, um, or probably does not remember him, which is good. Um, So nothing. Are you concerned that when he is released that he will start trying to worm his way into her life? I'm sure he will, but I can also say that there is no way I will allow it um, because of many things, you know, obviously that he did to me, but that he also did when it was just me, her and him at the very, very beginning. Um, I will do everything I can to make sure he does, he does not have any contact um, or interaction or 
you know, does not even see her ever in his life. Will you ever tell her the full extent of what did happen? Absolutely, yes. I think it's important to raise awareness, and that's the, the reason I'm talking to you today, um, to, to raise awareness. I think it's important for her and for other women as well to know um you know that this can happen uh even if you're married or you loved that person um i'm I'm certainly not ashamed of it and that you know shame isn't the reason that i'm being anonymous um i I think if i did not have a child i would i wouldn't be anonymous in this call but absolutely you contacted us uh, primarily because of your disgust over the sentencing uh, he received and the judicial s- system uh, in Ireland. I mentioned the mitigating circumstances that uh, Ms. Justice Karen O'Connor uh, mentioned in court. Do you buy any of that or do you think that for the crime that he committed uh, against you in your own home that he should have received a far more serious sentence? I do, I do. I mean... And I was told by, you know, by the guards before that this kind of case is very special because there's very clear evidence here. You know, there is a footage that you can see what is happening. Um, you know, you have the victim who's willing to testify. I mean, you have everything right there in front of you. You, you know what the perpetrator did. Um, and yet that's all that, you know, he gets. Um it almost feels like kind of a slap in the face, you know, all the things that I had to go through, the courage and just the stress to go there every time seeing him, giving evidence or, you know, being spoken with uh, by the defense or the lawyers, all of that work just for two, three years sentence when, you, you know, you can't argue against it. It's, it's such a slap in the face. It's like, I can almost understand why some people don't bother. Which is a really sad state of affairs. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I know like I, I sometimes compare things to America and, and if this was to happen in America, the person would get such a higher sentence. And of course, there's problems in America as well. But I mean, three years to rape someone, it's like, sure, why, why would the person not do it again then? It's only three years, you know? And let me ask you, as regards to your ex-husband, who, again, it's important to, to point out, it's not that we're trying to protect him, we're trying to protect you. Um, we're not identifying him, yet he will be free uh, in a matter of months uh, walking amongst us again. Do you believe, and I know this, this may be a difficult question to answer, but do you believe that this man, from everything that you've uh, known about him and from everything you've told me about him, has he the potential to do what he did to you again to somebody else? Yes. And that is hugely concerning for anybody listening to us right now, that this man will be released uh, from prison in a matter of months and has the ability to do what he did to you to somebody else. Absolutely. And I know that, you know, people can argue and say, well, that's my opinion, but, you know, he has assaulted people in the past and had been convicted of not to me but to somebody else not sexually but physically so technically this is his second violent crime yet he only gets three years for it 
It's a shocking story, it really is, and I know uh, an awful lot of people listening to this podcast right now will despair at uh, the court system giving such a, a lenient sentence. What is the, the future, Sarah, for you and uh, your daughter as you, you go forward? You said that in time you will tell her everything that happened and uh, explain to her about the court case and everything else, but what is the immediate future uh, for the two of you, uh, particularly bearing in mind that he'll be back around uh, on the scene again in a matter of months? I mean, I will do everything I can in terms of courts um, to protect myself um, and my child of course um you know i do sometimes wonder if i will leave the country um because i just i don't think i can i don't think i can exist in the same country as him um and worry every day you know i've already gotten alarms installed in my house um i've obviously gone to get protection orders but um the future is definitely uncertain, but I can I can say as much that if you know if he ever hears this or if I ever see him, um, if if he as much as breathes around me or my daughter, I will do whatever I can to make sure he's back in prison where he belongs. Finally, Sarah, the, we did mention earlier on about how we haven't identified you, we haven't identified uh, him. Obviously, a, a, a time can arise where you change your mind on that, where you decide that uh, you want him identified uh, publicly, which is your right, um, and it would be subsequently our right to uh, identify him in a, in a public way, which I know, as I said, some people listening to this now would wish that we could identify uh, this particular uh, individual but this is something you haven't necessarily ruled out, have you? No, I think when perhaps my child is a little bit older, that might change depending on, you know, her opinion. Um, you know, if, if she's anything like me, she will certainly uh, be able to stand up to bullying. And certainly if I had a, a father who was a rapist I wouldn't be ashamed if people knew I'd rather that they would so it really depends on her opinion Alright but look Sarah I, I really admire you for uh, speaking albeit with a disguised voice um, I really uh, I respect you for speaking out publicly and letting people know that our court system is a bit screwed up in terms of the sentencing that it hands down the sort of fear that uh, you're experiencing with his imminent uh, release from prison in a, in a matter of months but um, I, I want to ask you one final uh, question Sarah and that is this what would you say to some woman who's listening to us right now going through something very similar I would probably say I always have your phone with you first of all um, and record anything that you think you can use in the future because it's very very difficult to prove this type of crime but I would also say even though you know, the sentencing is so, so low. I don't want you to get discouraged to report a crime like this because I, I believe in karma and I think karma will catch up with those people. So please don't feel afraid or, or ashamed that this happened to you because you're the victim and he is the perpetrator. So please, please report it. And the fact of the matter is that 
regardless of the short sentence, the fact is, and even though I can't name him, he has a criminal conviction to his name, and that is just a fact. Absolutely, and um, obviously if the person is convicted or if he pleads guilty, that person will be on the sexual register for the rest of his life, and that's obviously a, a great thing um, or achievement for for the victim. Sarah, I wish you nothing but the best in, in the future, and I really uh, appreciate you talking to us on this latest Opinions Matter podcast. Thank you. And if you enjoyed this latest Opinions Matter podcast, you can hit subscribe or follow or click on the little bell icon on Spotify. And that way you'll be notified the next time we upload a new podcast. My thanks to Sarah for talking to us. Thank you to you for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one. Opinions Matter. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app.